Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Let's Read the Bible Together reading plan. We also have the plan available on our website, grove.church. And please send your questions. We would like to answer them for you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I decided that I was not going to let the trend break where the last few weeks, I think we've opened up a little bit differently. So I wanted to be a little bit different. I appreciate that. Because Evan uh, missed the boat today. So, uh, but we do want to answer your questions. We would love for you to send them in. Uh, And they can be questions that maybe as you're listening along, we say something that sparks a thought or a question, uh, or maybe as you're reading through the reading plan, or maybe it's just a different passage of scripture or a different conversation altogether. We would love to take time to answer those questions. There's two ways you can send them to us. One is an email. The email address is infogrove.church. Make sure to put in the subject line a podcast question. Or the second way is a direct message on Facebook. We are the Grove Church in Washington State, uh, and you can DM us those questions there. We had another uh, fake Grove Church message us today talking about like, hey. Another one? Well, there was like, you know, hey, like we w- we're going to come visit this week. And they're asking about like what gatherings we have uh, our kids available in. And so I told them and I looked and I was like, are you from San Diego? <laughs> so apparently there's a Grove Church down there somewhere. So I Sweet. Like, I was like, oh, no. Anyway, it just happens more than you would, more than we would care to say, listeners. Um, okay. Also, you know what we forgot to do last week? I realized we teased it. Uh, but we didn't actually talk about our rating system for the kings of Israel and Judah. We so didn't. we are going to do that this week because well, there's yeah, a I was lot. Say, this, this is where we really dive into a lot of the kings yep. and that jazz. So, so here's how, and this is this is me and Aaron's unbiblical, but uh, just <laughs> how so thanks we... Thanks for tuning in to Let's Read Unbiblically the Bible. Exactly. How we rank the kings. So I would say there's there's the great kings, and these would be usually they are talked about in the sense of, and they ruled over and they did what was right in the sight of the Lord, just like their father, David, before them. So usually when when Kings is comparing them to David, that means this is a great king. Then we'll call the, the next one, they're good kings. Uh, and so we won't say who's in these categories yet because they're more, you know, there's some, there are some kings who they're not like, they, they worship the Lord, but they also mess up. So we kind of put them in this other category of, you know, they're, they're really good kings, but they're not, they don't quite reach the heights of David. And then we're going to have our, because there's really no okay kings. So after that, you're going to go to your bad kings. Uh, and then you're going to go. Yeah, they just fall off the cliff after that. Yeah. There's no like, oh, they're, they're okay. No, they're like, they're, these are bad people. Bad they're kings. just stupid. And then you get into the, we'll call these the uh, child sacrificing scumbags. And these are <laughs> just... We just changed. We just changed uh, an identifier of well, bad kings. So. Well, I forgot what we called that lowest group. So basically, we have four tiers. There's great. You, we just called them the worst. They're just bad the worst and the worst. <laughs> so uh, to go last yeah, child week, sacrificing scumbags. Yeah, that's what you just. We just re- relabeled them. So to go to go last week, we would say uh, Solomon. He's a hard one. I feel like he's between the very, very, very bottom of good king, or in the bad king. Uh, and I, I could, oh, really? I could be Interesting. Con- I could be convinced either way. But if you had to choose right now. If I had to choose right now, I would put him good king, but every other good king is above him, if that makes sense. Because Solomon has – he has some really great moments. And maybe I'm just too hard on him. And Ecclesiastes kind of makes me think that he he turns away a little bit and he starts to realize the – Your love for Ecclesiastes is blinding you. Uh, maybe. It could be. But that's when, when I first met Evan, his favorite book of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. It's true. The current version of Evan, his favorite book is Job, 
with Jonah right behind it. Job's a good one. Jonah, I don't know if it's my favorite book. But oh, it's, no, it it's, is. It's, I know it is. It's an, interesting, it's an interesting read, that's for sure. You're thrilled about the book of Jonah. I am, yeah. Um, okay, how many, so, how many books did you just buy for Jonah, by the way? <laughs> Three. Precisely. No, four, four, about Precisely. four. Precisely. Um, and um, one was a duplicate, right? A dupe? No, that was a different one. Oh, okay. I was okay. so sorry, listeners. Side project. Uh, I was <laughs> I was letting Aaron into uh, a conversation that me and my wife had. Because I'm sorry, Ashley. I'm still working. On I bu- I bought a book like a few months ago, and then the more I looked at it, the more I was like, I don't like this version. And so I bought the same book again to get a different edition. And Ashley was like, You bought the same book twice. I was like, Yeah. And I like in my head, I was like, Obviously, because this one was ugly, and I wanted a better. <laughs> And so it was like, oh man, I, I might like books too much. Um, sorry. So to get into the other Kings. So last week we also had Asa. I think Asa, great King, just really, really solid. Uh, doesn't really have anything bad going on. Uh, all of the Kings of Israel are bad or, or the worst. Um, Ahab, we'll talk about him here in a little bit. I t- there's a moment at the end where I kind of put Ahab from the worst into the bad category, but we'll talk about that here today. Um, and we'll see how that goes. And then I forgot the name, but the King between, oh, sorry, Rehoboam, bad King. And then I forgot Rehoboam's son's name, but he's also a bad King. So Asa is kind of the only great King that we've had since David so far. There'll be a few others, not very many, but there'll be a few. Okay. So with that being going, listen, we will, we will rank all of the Kings that we talk about as we work through these, as we work through. This is in essence what we're doing. We're finishing up the book of Kings or no, we're not. Sorry. Almost correction. It. Uh, but we're working through a very large chunk of kings this week, um, and we're, so we're going to be in, uh, engaging a lot of different, a lot of different names. Yep. Get ready. All right. So this week we are going to see one of the most contentious relationships between king and prophet, and this is of course Ahab and Elijah. And I, you said you put him good and then bad. Ahab? Yeah. No, no, no. I would. I think he starts off as the worst, and he might inch his way up into bad. So huh. I don't think he's a good king, no matter what. Okay, so um, I, I misheard you then. Yeah, so no, I was too busy laughing at you, listeners. This is a this is a <laughs> spoiler, but there are no kings of Israel who are good. No. <laughs> that is, they are all they are no, all bad sad. or worst, and it, like that even shows you like the whole idea of like, you know, this king might not be the worst. <laughs> is kind of the uh, that's the argument for Ahab. Um, so anyway, sorry. Elijah deliver, delivers a message from the Lord that there will be a terrible drought, and this is again. Th- we see this happen a lot where there are prophets and they are attached to kings. This is not always the case. Um, but like you think with Isaiah, we associate him so much with the reign of Hezekiah. Um, and with Nathan, obviously with David. And we have Samuel with Saul. Like there's these prophets who kind of, for better or for worse, they mostly prophesy during the reign of a certain king. A lot of times, not a lot of times, sometimes the kings listen and it's a good thing. Like Nathan and uh, David, that was, actually, that was a really healthy prophet-king relationship. Uh, Elijah and Ahab, this is an example of an unhealthy, and not on Elijah's fault. This is Ahab just being a... Being a being sucker. Being um, Yeah, he's really, he's really Ahabbing it, let me tell you. Uh, so he delivered, Elijah delivers this message that there will be a terrible drought. Ahab just is a big crybaby about it and doesn't, you know, he doesn't think to himself, maybe I should just, you know, obey Yahweh and listen to what he has to say. He's just like, oh, Elijah, you're bringing a drought. Uh, so during this season, we get some of the most famous miracles of Elijah's ministry. Uh, so there's a poor widow and he travels to this, I forgot the name of the city, I should have written it down, but he travels there. He is told by God that there is a widow there who is going to feed you. He finds her um, and she is it's really sad. And again, we we kind of skip over this because we've read the story so many times, but she's making a last meal for her and her son. And then she's preparing to 
to die. Basically, they're getting ready to starve to death. Um, and so Elijah asks her for food and she tells him like, you're going to take like the last food and he's kind of just, you know, trust me on this. And then miraculously she is provided for. So she has um, a, a, a jug of oil and a jar of flour. And essentially those, that jug and that um, jar never run out mm -hmm. until the drought is over. So every time she goes to pour oil, there's more oil in there. Every time she goes yeah. to get flour, there's more flour. So really cool that that God provides for her there, especially because of her obedience to feed the prophet Elijah. So Yeah, and the faith that goes with it. So yeah, it's, it's a cool story. Yep. And then after some time passes, her son dies. So her only son, and she's a widow. I, I think I said that. So um, her, her only son dies. And so she writes to Elijah and Elijah comes back. Um, and in the most awkward way possible, uh, he, <laughs> he just, so he, this is where he lays on the boy, right? Yeah. He lays on the boy three times. Like, I don't remember if it was three it's like times. Ma face to face, mouth to mouth, yeah, hand yeah, to hand. It's like, like it completely matched up. It's just a weird mental picture, but yeah, that's what Elijah does. Uh, but yeah, God raises the boy back to life. So really cool. So this widow has just experienced insane miracles and blessing from God. So that's really cool. Uh, so after three years of drought, Elijah confronts Ahab, and then he challenges the prophets of Baal to a dance-off at Mount Carmel. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not actually a dance-off, but it's based – I don't know what you'd call it, like a god-off. I mean, like they're just going to basically – I prefer dance-off. Dance-off, yeah. It's just going to be a big old dance-off on Mount Carmel. And by worldly standards, Elijah would lose the dance-off because he really didn't dance at all. That's true. But, um, and here's the deal. I put down where it's going to go for it because I was trying to figure out how to summarize and which parts to read. But honestly – the story's so good. We're just going to read it really quick. So this is in First uh, Kings chapter eighteen, starting in verse twenty. It says, "So Ahab said to all the people of Israel gathered, uh, and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah, sorry, when it says prophets, these are the prophets of Baal, who is kind of you know it's the god that the Israelites have the biggest crush on. Uh, and then Elijah's standing on his own. So and Elijah came near to the people and said, "How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal," follow him. And the people did not answer a word. So basically he's like, hey, stop worshiping Yahweh as if he is one of a pantheon of gods. Mm -hmm. Like either you get this pantheon or you're worshiping the one true God only. So Elijah's challenging them. Uh, and Elijah said, then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. And that also gives you an idea of just how far the Northern kingdom of Israel had fallen in a relatively short time. Like Ahab is, remember this is all happening during the reign of Asa. Um, I, sh I guess I shouldn't say that with confidence, but this is either right after Asa or this is during the reign of Asa. So this is less than like 70 years after, after the split of the kingdom. And they are already at the point where there's only one prophet of God left in the Northern kingdom. Like it's just incredible to think about. So he says, let two bulls be given us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it to pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it and, and put no fire to it. So he said, essentially the prophets of Baal, hey, you can pick whichever bull looks more flammable to you. That's fine. <laughs> you know, home court advantage, whatever it is. And you call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of Yahweh and the God who answers by fire. He is God. And the people answered, it is well-spoken. So basically Elijah's challenging them to this, you know, essentially whichever God can summon fire for this sacrifice in front of all the people of Israel, 
is the one true God. And the people of Israel are like, yeah, let's yeah, go. Let's yeah, get that, it on. That makes sense. Let's get ready to rumble. And so it says, then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first that you, uh, for you are many and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And so they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it. And they called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon saying, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they lived around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. I just love the, you know, I love a little toilet humor from Elijah there, because he's basically saying, hey, maybe Baal's in the bathroom, guys. Like, you know, you got to knock. You got to make sure he knows. Maybe he's far away. Like Elijah's just, you know, he's making fun of the fact that you're worshiping a wooden statue. I don't know what Baal was. Maybe it wasn't a wooden statue, but you know, you're worshiping an idol. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. The end. I love no, I'm line. just kidding. Uh, then Elijah said to all the people, come near me. And the people came near him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain the two seas of seed. And he put wood, uh, the wood in order and cut the bowl in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. So Elijah- But Elijah, that, that's not going to catch fire very easily. Yeah. Wait, wait a second. Yeah. I love, it takes me back a little bit to Judges where all, and Joshua, where all of the victories are so clearly, no, this is God. Like you're, this is not supposed to be like, this person is great. I think Elijah here, he's removing all doubt. He's saying, no, 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 look, look. This is doused with water. This should not catch fire. If it does, it can only be because Yahweh worked here. Uh, and he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. Third time's a charm. This bowl is dripping wet. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. <laughs> just, a little, just a little slurp. Uh, and when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there. So... Just, I mean, dance Boom. off one in the most convincing fashion. Prophets of Baal slaughtered and Israel from this point forward turns towards God and becomes a prosperous kingdom that just worships Yahweh alone. Forever and ever and ever. Just kidding, listeners. Uh, but, Sink. you know, I mean, it's a nice moment at least. So that's good. Uh, and so after this, Yahweh sends rain to the land again. Uh, however, a certain queen you may have heard of named Jezebel Ooh. is not a good loser. So she's like, hey, prophets, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't fair. You doused it three times with water and there was 450 prophets against you. I don't know what her deal is. She's just, 
I mean, Ahab, like I said, maybe he's not the worst. Maybe he's just really bad. Jezebel is the worst. <laughs> she is just a real piece of work. Listen, if you go to a bad king, you'll find an even worse queen. Sometimes. <laughs> I'm so, just kidding. Uh, so he flees and he is provided for by God throughout his hardship. And so as you read these chapters, you'll see that God continuously, miraculously provides for Elijah. Uh, and it is also at this time that Elisha hears the call of God and he joins Elijah in ministry. So really cool. And they remain close for a number of years um, and we'll see what happens to them a little bit later. Uh, Ahab goes to war with Ben-Hadad of Syria, and he defeats him twice. So, hey, okay, cool. Good job, Ahab, I guess. Uh, However, Ahab allows Ben-Hadad to go free and is told by a prophet that this will be punished by death from Yahweh. So, essentially, he's saying, hey, you should not have done this. You're going to be punished. Bad news. Yep. And as if that wasn't bad enough, uh, Jezebel has a man named Naboth killed because Ahab was throwing a fit about wanting his (laughs) vineyard. Um, I mean, literally, he's like, oh, man, I want this vineyard. And he goes to, to Naboth and he's like, hey, can I buy your vineyard? Naboth, no, it's been in my family for generations. I don't want to sell it. And he's like, oh, oh, and he goes home and he cries about it. And Jezebel's like, oh, sweetie, what's wrong? And Ahab's like, I really want that vineyard. And now, you know, he's not going to sell it to me. And Jezebel's like, oh, just let me take care of it. And Ahab's like, okay, thank you so much. And I think for to give him the benefit of the doubt, he made it have known her plan. Um, I Whatever, think dude. I, exactly. Whatever. I think I think he's I think he's willfully ignorant of what's going on. But yeah, Jezebel just has him. Basically, she accuses. I forgot the crime, but she accuses him of a crime, and he's brought out and he's stoned in front of all the people, and then all of his property is turned over to the king. So, yep, fortunate. Here's the deal, though, and this is this is the part where I'm always curious about it. He is confronted with his sin, and it leads to this re- surprising result. In First Kings 21, it says there was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of sold the Lord. Himself. So, sorry, sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord, like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, had incited. He acted adom- ab- abominably in going after idols as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast down out of the people of Israel. So right there, Ahab is, he is the worst king of Israel so far, which is saying something because Israel has some real bad kings. And when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and he put sackcloth on his flesh and he fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. And the word came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days, I will bring the disaster upon his house. Okay, so it's really interesting, right? Because Ahab, again, and who knows how genuine it is. And again, I would never say he's a good king or anything like that. But he actually does have a moment of repentance and humbling himself before Yahweh when he is confronted with his sin. And we see a promise similar to like what happened with uh, with Solomon, where it says, okay, this will not happen during your days, but it will happen during the days of your son. You said with Ahab as well, where there, he knows there is going to be terrible things that happen, but at least it will happen later on. Uh, Ahab eventually will be killed in in battle uh, while fighting alongside Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah at the time. We haven't talked about him yet, but we will be getting into him. Uh, And then Kings then takes us to the reign of Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, who was all things considered a pretty good king. Uh, He's not, he doesn't quite reach the heights of his father. And maybe Aaron will disagree with me on this, but we did a whole episode on Jehoshaphat actually a few years ago. Uh, But he worshiped Yahweh and he didn't sacrifice any children, which is a low bar, but you know, here we are. <laughs> here, here we are. Uh, and then finally, we hear about uh, Isaiah, who, or Ahaziah, who is like Ahab, only worse in every way. So, yay. So, go Israel. All right. Well done. So, so, of those kings, really quick before we get into uh, Second Kings, which is where Aaron's going to be taking us here, I would say uh, Ahab, 
Very bottom of Bad King is where I'm going <laughs> to land because he has that moment of repentance. And so I think that is, and that is more mm. than can be said for a lot of the kings of Israel. Very true. So so that, it begs the question then, why would you put him at the very bottom of the Bad Kings when he had that moment of repentance? So specifically because he is described as the worst king who had done, you know what I mean? So he's, because Jeroboam and all those other guys. So you're Zim, saying grace is not enough. I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. Because you got to take in the whole picture, right? Because if you're only taking in their worst moments, Solomon would be like among the worst kings, but you're kind of taking in his his early reign. Is it, is it, so here, here like, because we're here, right? Yeah, sure. Is it worth, is it more important how they end or how they, what their legacy is? I would say, I would say it's, it's ending is the most important followed by your so i guess it'd be whole legacy ending and then how you start is in that order yeah okay so like the whole legacy of ahab i think is a bad king here's the thing i love is is if you if we go back and listen to the other podcast that we actually talk through the rating and we we rate all of these kings um i guarantee it's going to be different in some of in some categories Uh, in some respects a man grows which is funny like and i'm not saying you only i'm saying myself as well um yeah, because I think that's the that's the curious question. Like, even going bringing that back up about Ahab, like, yeah, he was the worst. No one who sold himself to do was even the side of the Lord, like at, at Ahab, whom his wife Jezebel incited, which really says nothing good about Jezebel. Yeah, Je- um, Jezebel is is bottom tier. But queen. then, but then, even like God's response to Elijah, have you seen how he's humbled himself before me? Like that's saying something. I don't think it was like at that point, like, cause God knows the heart. God sees the right. heart. Like, so I don't think there's anything about lip service here. I it's think clearly it, genuine. I think it's, yeah, absolutely a genuine response of understanding because it just shows a level of ignorance and, and lack of self-awareness for him to like, all of a sudden hear these words. He's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like that, I might, I'm, I'm a bad king. Like, so yeah. I, I don't know. I, I do wonder like, yeah, I'd put him, I'd put him borderline Bad, good. Okay, so you put him at the top because of, of how he, because of how he responds. Okay, because David, why is David a great king? He's a man after God's own heart. Sure, yeah. In the midst of his blatant sin, he responded, right? And David's the pinnacle, except from Christ, right? Christ is the ultimate. We have David, who's the peak. No, everyone's compared to David. That's mm-hmm. how you know a good king, great king, whatever. Um, but I, I do think there is because of how he ended. Yes, he was stupid. Um, but even, but like he didn't have that, the guy killed, his wife did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyways. So okay, I, I would say, I would say maybe top tier bad, bottom level good. So no matter what, we're kind of ranking him. Oh, so you might, you, you're saying you might push him into good. Interesting. I mean, if we're grading on a curve, he's a good king. <laughs> if we're grading on the curve of the <laughs> kings of Israel, he's. Well, he's, yeah, I mean, oh, so, okay, maybe do? this is a better way to say it. Cause you're right. I forget exactly the definitions, how we classify it. Cause it's been a while since we've done this. For me, maybe then it creates the okay king category. Oh. So instead of saying good king, because good king is your that comparison to David, um, or maybe it's great king, but I, I would say you, it, maybe it creates that okay king. Okay. Like, because the way he ended, that 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 for me is the big thing. Like, yeah, he was an idiot, but I also think he was he was probably naive and ignorant. Weak, you <laughs> um, might call him. Weak yeah. is another way to say it. Uh, so I think that was part, like that could be part of it, the thing too. But All right. I, anyways, I, that's just. I me. like it. So we will say on the official Let's Read the Bible podcast stance is Ahab is the <laughs> only okay king. He so, created a new kingly category. At least so far. Uh, and then finally, we're, let's talk about, well, I guess before we do this, let's talk about reviews really quick. So, hey, yeah. you know, hey, listener, if you're enjoying this ranking of kings and as we go through the Old Testament, uh, don't hesitate. 
to give us a five-star review, especially if you're listening on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It does really help get the podcast out there to more people, and we always appreciate it when you do that. Yeah, we'd love for you to do that. All right, Aaron, let's talk about Ahaziah who is Ahab's son. Yes, that was a lot of fun. So uh, as Evan said, and just as a quick reminder, First Kings, Second Kings is not meant to be read as two separate books. It's actually meant to be read as one entire volume that in modern era split it into two for easier readability. Uh, and so Second Kings picks up right where First Kings leaves off, where we then are introduced to this man named Ahaziah, who's the son of Ahab. Uh, but he is also, uh, and it also leads into the death of Ahaziah. Uh, so it starts out uh, where he continues in his father's way and Jeroboam, who was the king before, uh, and Ahaziah encounters Elijah, which is, this is kind of like, I forget about this story. So when I was reading through this, um, I really forgot about this, this kind of interaction and even the first confrontation that we have. Uh, and so I'm just going to read this, Second uh, Kings chapter one, verses one, uh, it says, after Ahab's death, Moab rebelled against Israel. Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice window of his upstairs room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent him messengers instructing to go inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, whether I will recover from this injury. So we start off right out the gate, uh, hearing about Ahaziah, and he fell through his window of his upstairs and he got injured. And so he sent some of his uh, messengers to go inquire of another god, saying, hey, am I going to recover? And it says in verse three, but the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, go and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, is it because there's no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baal-zebub, the God of Ekron? Which this is telling in and of itself, like there is recognition and awareness of the fact that at this point, uh, Ahab and the, and the kings before had absolutely led God's people away from worshiping and understanding and remembering who God is because of the high places, because of the false gods, because they're marrying people. Uh, the kings are marrying women who worship other gods or are creating space and allowing it to happen. And so there is no even, there's not even thought in his eyes mind of like, I should inquire of God, the most high God. He's forgotten or has not even been taught the reality of Yahweh. So so Elijah is told by Spirit of the Lord to go to these messengers. So therefore, in verse four, it says this, this is what the Lord says. Oh, wait, no, no, sorry. Uh, oh, so he does that. So he goes, he confronts the messengers. He says, this, therefore, this is what the Lord says. You will not get up from your sickbed. You will certainly die. Then Elijah left. <laughs> That's it. He meets the messengers. It's a hey, good. Tell the king, you're not going to get up. You're going to die. It's a good word. And so then verse five, the messengers returned to the king who asked them, why have you come back? In other words, they're supposed to go a long ways. Didn't go, go that. It was a very short turnaround. And the messengers replied, a man came to meet us and said, go back to the king who sent you and declare to him. This is what the Lord says. Is it because there's no God in Israel that you're sending these men to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore, you will not get up from your sickbed. You will certainly die. The king asked them, what sort of man came to meet you and spoke these words to you? They replied, a hairy man with a leather belt around his waist. That's almost how I would describe Evan. I said, my belt is cloth. (laughs) He said, it's Elijah. And this is the king replying. He said, it's Elijah the Tishbite. So King Ahaziah sent a captain with his 50 men to Elijah. When the captain went up to him, he was sitting on the top of a hill. He announced, man of God, the king declares, come down. Elijah responded to the captain, if I'm a man of God, make fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. (laughs) Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50 men. Good work. So the king sent another captain with his 50 men to Elijah. He took in the situation and announced, man of God, this is what the king says, come down immediately. Elijah responded. If I'm a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. So divine fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50 men. 
Then the king sent a third captain with his 50 men. Do you think he'd learn by now? Yeah, you're like at a, at a certain point, you're like, you know, maybe divine fire is going to come second. down and consume my men. Well, at this point, I, I doubt they even know what happened. I guess that's right? true. I guess, well, I don't know. So at this point, does, I guess does true. ASI really know what's going on? Like, what happened to my, my captain in 50 minutes? Send another. It, yeah, that's true. So the third captain went up, fell on his knees in front of Lodge and begged, man of God, please let my life and the lives of these 50 servants of yours be precious to you. So he knew something happened. Does he know about fire? Maybe. Uh, I guess it's, I guess it, he does know because now look at this. It says, already fires come down from heaven and consume the first two captains with their companies. By the, but this time, let my life be precious to you. So I guess he would know. I, I stand corrected. Let me go. correct. Of course, this is going to get back to the king. It all makes sense now. Verse 15, the angel Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Don't be afraid of him. So he got up and went down with him to the king. Then Elijah said to the king Isaiah, this is what the Lord says, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, is it because there is no god in Israel for you to inquire of his will, lowercase h, referring to the god of Ekron. You will not get up from a sickbed, you will certainly die. Sounds like a broken record at this point. Yeah, for real. Ahaziah died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Since he had no son, Joram became king in his place. This happened in the second year of Judah's king, Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat. And then it talks about the rest of his uh, accomplishments were written in historical records of the kings. Uh, so we get this moment coming right into, in, into Second Kings where we first meet the son of Ahab who falls, gets hurt, inquires of the Lord, or not inquires, inquires of a different God. Elijah confronts him and declares, you're going to die. And his word is fulfilled. Uh, and so that's the first interaction we're going to see in chapter one there uh, in Second Kings. Uh, and then what happens is we have this moment where Elisha shows up on the scene. Well, uh, I guess before we move on to Elisha, Ahaziah. Oh, we got we to rank, rank him right. I, would, I mean, I he's worse than his dad. Yeah, he's bad. I don't, know if he's, I don't know if he was king long enough to be the worst. He's worse than his dad. He's not the worst, but he's worse than his dad. So would you put him in the bad tier or the very bottom tier? I'd put him in the bad tier. Easy. All right, bad tier. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, moving on. He's not okay. He's bad. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and so then we're going to find in Second Kings here, chapter two through, I mean, really, I mean, the bulk of what we're reading the rest of today, uh, 13-ish. Uh, we're going to see Elisha's interaction with the people of Israel. We're going to see Elisha's reign. Uh, this is where we're going to see uh, Elijah being taken to heaven, who's one of the two people, three people, I guess, technically, but Jesus did die and then was risen again and ascended into heaven. Uh, but two people that were taken up in a world two between full, Enoch. full human, not divine in any way. Yes. And Elijah, who were taken up, didn't die, just were taken up to be with God instantly. Um, and so Elijah's taken to heaven. He looks at Elisha and says, uh, or the Holy Spirit of the Lord. This is an incredible moment. So when you read it, I think it's going to be like, it just, it, it's just incredible to stop and think sometimes about what this could have played out like. But Elijah yeah, don't, don't and Elisha, yeah, Elijah and Elisha are, are, are going through Elisha's his protege. Elisha is in essence trying to serve Elijah. Elijah tells Elijah multiple times, hey, just stay here. Uh, and Elisha's like, no, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to keep going with you. No, I want to go with you. No, I want to go with you. So he continues, he crosses the Jordan River where Elijah takes his cloak, slaps the water, it splits, into, it splits apart, they walk across it. And in this instant, uh, Elijah had been asking, saying, hey, I want, I want a double portion. Elijah had asked him, what do you want? I want a double portion of your, of your mantle. In essence, I want to do double what you did. And Elijah's like, it's not for me to say yes or no to that. Um, if you see me taken into, in, into heaven, then the answer is yes. If you don't, then no. And in, the, in a moment, there's this like chariot that comes down from heaven and, and Elijah gets in it or takes up Elijah and goes to heaven. And all that's left after this moment is the cloak of Elijah. And so because Elisha saw this, he then picks up this cloak and 
he then understands that he now has this double double portion. It's like a double mantle. He's going to do tw- like twice what he's going to be twice as potent or whatever as powerful as Elijah. So we see this incredible moment take place. Elisha then walks back to the to I believe it's Jordan River. Maybe I'm misquoting it, but Jordan River slaps it with the cloak again, and it parts, and he walks back across dry land, and thus the, begins the ministry of Elisha. So we see a transition happen between Elijah, who had incredible encounters with the kings of uh, of Judah and Israel, um, uh, and, and and kind of just brings up on the scene a bit. And then we see with Elijah, Elisha, I'm going to, I'm going to mess up and get it mixed up. Watch. Uh, but Elisha then ushers into a new era of leadership, so to speak. This is where Elisha now begins to perform the ministry and do the work of, of the prophet of God's people. Um, and so it's incredible. You're going to, we're going to read from chapter two through chapter 10. Really, we're going to see stories of Elisha. Uh, we're going to see the crazy thing about this. And I didn't realize this until I was reading it. But this this whole ministry of Elisha covers about two fifths of this book of Second Kings. Wow! Um, so about forty percent of of Second Kings has Elisha in it, um, and and it's interesting because you you mentioned Jeremiah has some accreditation to writing and and putting together kings all together and, and taking all the historical accounts and compiling them. It, Jeremiah, the speculation is Jeremiah maybe compiled it and put it together. Um, but it's it's interesting. The the author's intent is not. Um, it's not to survey, just to give a survey of the events, but it really is to explain the destruction of both kingdoms. It's leading to a point of exile. It's leading to a point which which is, makes it sense, which makes sense to me to think about the reality of if Jeremiah is the one compiling all these narratives and all these historical uh, benchmarks or these historical situations, then it totally makes sense if the whole point of kings is to lead us through a brief undertaking of the kings of God's people of Israel and Judah. Um, and he leads to a point of exile because that's what happens, right? At the end of at the end of Kings, and this is the crazy thing about Kings and Chronicles and Samuel, is there is quite a bit of overlap. Um, right. especially with Kings and Chronicles, because it kind of recaps or has other pieces. And so you're gonna, it's almost like we're gonna repeat some of the things that we've read, or we're gonna draw deeper into some of them. So that's that's when we get into Chronicles, we'll see that. All of that to say, like this, this time period is happening. First Samuel through the through Kings and Chronicles is roughly the same time period that leads to the exile. So all that to say, Elisha starts his his ministry. We'll see different instances and moments, but there's one specific I can't read. I can't just pass up and not read it because um, there's it's a classic. This is and this it's to be honest with you, um, my friend Mark Epstein. If you're listening to this podcast, which if not, I'm heartbroken. I'm going to text you right after this. Um, this is something that, that was it in your life group with Mark. I was no, I I, I heard the stories. Uh, but it was great. <laughs> but it's this it's this moment where Elisha is um, just got done with an incredible miracle, and I can't remember off the top of my head now, even though I just read it. Um, and then he's going up to to Bethel, and it says this in Second Kings chapter two, verse twenty three. It says, "From there, Elisha went to Bethel. As he was walking up the path, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, chanting, Go up, Baldy! Go up, Baldy!'" Uh, and the, and so it says this in verse 24, it says, he turned around, referring to Elisha, looked at them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the children. <laughs> it's and, not funny. And then, it it's, and then it says from there, Elisha went up to Mount Carmel and then he returned to Samaria. It's this random moment in, in the midst of Elisha's story where he gets, made fun of, he gets mocked, which this is not like, I'm just making fun of you and calling you a name. Like this, the, the, the intent of this is, is 
to deface, to slander, to uh, really mock and and ridicule and um, I don't know mess with mess with one of God's anointed prophets in this moment. Mm-hmm. And so Elisha, in his in his frustration, calls out two bears. <laughs> he calls a curse upon them, and two bears come up and maul them. 42 of them. And so uh, the reason why this is this is a, something I can't pass up anymore um, is because I had a, a leader in my youth ministry. Evan was a leader as well. And his name's Mark. Uh, I've already called you by last name, so maybe I shouldn't have done that. But, uh, and he he's an incredible man. I love this guy like crazy. He moved away to um, a different part of the state, and I'm very sad about that. But uh, he's bald. And there was one life group moment where they uh, asked Mark to read Second Kings chapter two. I don't know if Mark he wasn't familiar no, he, he wasn't yeah. familiar with what the passage was. Um, he he wasn't a fairly new Christian, but he was a very strong Christian, loved God's word, still does to this day. And so he reads out this passage out loud. Mark is a bald man, and everybody in the life group just starts laughing um, because it, it literally just go up baldy, go up baldy. Um, so all of that to say, like now, well, it's, and it ended with Mark actually cursed the kids in his life group, and and, and, and two, two bears, male bears no, just came out. <laughs> it was, it was so a little bit different. Anyways, it's just it's, it, I say that not to even tell a funny story about one of my former youth leaders, but it really is this remarkable instance in reading Second Kings of just like what just happened. It literally is going to be like it would be one of those things. The way that I could translate it to like even today, where you, whether you're watching a movie or you're or you're watching something on, and then all of a sudden something out of nowhere that has no connection, no correlation to anything shows up, and it's like this massive thing from left field. Yeah. Um, and and so it's just it was just incredible, ridiculous uh, situation. Elisha um, continues on to live his life and lives happily ever after. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we're going to see, and again, part of the part of the reason why Elisha has so much in this is because he's part of the um, the inspiration between him and, and Elijah actually leads to uh, the the revolt against the dynasty of Om, Omri, which we read in, in First Kings a little bit. Um, but we're going to see a, a bunch of the stories about Elisha in chapter ten. We're going to see in eleven, in chapter eleven and twelve, uh, the king of Joash, who is the remaining relative of David's line. Now, um, Athaliah uh, attempted was the daughter of Ahab. Married a king, uh, I don't remember the king's name anymore, um, but attempted to kill off the line of David. And Whoa. The, the the last remaining relative was Joash, who was hidden in the temple by his aunt. And uh, Jehu, who was a king in First Kings, uh, had this massive purge, which we've already talked about. Um, and so there was just this attempt to try and kill off David's line. He was hidden in the, t- the temple. Then he was kept in hiding for the next six years uh, and was placed on the throne at seven years after uh, the covenant was renewed by Jehoiada's revolt against against uh, Athaliah. In essence, she, he kills Athaliah, the, the wife's the king, the wife of the king. Uh, I wish I can't. Why can't I remember the king's name at that point? Anyways, all that to say, sorry, uh, it's this remarkable moment where Jehoiada, who revolts against the king, uh, king's wife Athaliah, has her killed. Um, and then Joash is put on the throne for seven years. And Joash was, was he, I was, you know, he was a good king as long as Jehoadiah lived. Because as long as Jehoadiah was there as, as the advisor, the leader, the, the one who's giving counsel and direction, um, the, the kingdom did well. Like Joash restored the, the, the law. He restored the, the commitment to, to God's ways and God's law. Um, and and as soon as Jehoiada died, it then began the 
it began to deteriorate again. Joash lost the ability to stay rooted. Joash lost the ability to lead and influence. And then the nation fell into apostasy. So for me, I would rank Joash as a good king, but more towards the bottom end. More towards the, like, he has, like, almost... I would rate Jehoiada the man for that era. Right. (laughs) But because he's the reason why. Yeah, Joash is very similar to Solomon, where he starts off well and then kind of tanks it at the end. Mm -hmm. And we, we kind of think of Solomon as kind of rebounding a little bit at the end there. And Joash is, this is not the case. So I'll, no. I'll agree with you. Very bottom of good, maybe very Borderline okay. Bad. Yeah, borderline okay. All right, who's next? So then we get to chapter 13, we'll see two kings, Jehoahaz and Jehoash. Ooh. Um, and so in essence, these, this is just, we're going to hit a quick summary. And, and here's what you're going to find. You're going to find there's going to be some, some very quick hitters. There's going to be a quick summary. There's going to be Kings is not meant to give an exhaustive list. It's meant to give a kind of a quick outline of the history of the kings that leads to, again, exile, which is if Jeremiah is the one who compiled all of this, there's a reason for it. So, um, but Jehoahaz and Jehoash are, are um, successors of Jehu in the northern kingdom. Uh, and this is where you pay attention as you're reading as a quick side note between what kingdom? Northern kingdom, Israel, That's southern true, kingdom, yeah. Judah, because these are big deals. And remember what we said at the beginning, uh, there's not any good kings in, in the kingdom of Israel, <laughs> um, unfortunately. Um, so northern kingdom is uh, Israel. Elisha prophesied um, to uh, the kings here, Jehoash, uh, through an illustration. We don't hear a lot about Jehoash. You'll hear some, but Jehoash is a more of a direct interaction with Elisha. Uh, he prophesied saying, hey, shoot an arrow in the air. Um, and let me tell you what the, what it means. And so he shoots an arrow in the air, it strikes the ground. Um, and Elisha said, Hey, you're going to be victorious, uh, over, over Samaria, but not entirely because you are going, because he lacks a zeal. He withholds a zeal for passion to do and be what God asked him to do to, to bring him back. And so Jehoahash, um, in essence, he doesn't kill Syria. Sorry, it wasn't Samaria. It was Syria that he went up against. He he def- he, he defeated them, but didn't kill them off. He didn't def- conquer them because it's almost as if he wanted to keep Syria as an insurance policy against the rising power of Assyria. And so you see this, this lack of confidence, this lack of trust in who God is and what God would be the protector of his people. And so Jehoash... Um, is, is pro, I know those are some, dude, these names are crazy. You, th- you think Mephibosheth was hard. I didn't have an issue with Mephibosheth. Um, but the crazy thing is I would say like Jehoash, if I'm talking good King, bad King, okay. King worst, the, just the baby killing scumbags. Um, I would put Jehoash probably, I mean, this is where maybe the category is okay, but He's not a good king. Um, I feel like even to get into okay, you have to have some moment where you're, you know, worshiping Yahweh or doing something. That's true. You know what I mean? And he had a victory. He had a, he had a thing, but he, he withheld it. Cause okay. Yeah. I would say bad. Okay. Both, both bad. Both bad. Easy. All right. Let's talk about chapter 14 and 15. Ju- let's talk about a Judean king. For yeah. A we'll go bit. to the Southern kingdom for a little bit. Uh, we'll, hit, we'll find three kings here. Amaziah, Jeroboam, the second and Azariah. Amaziah was generally a good king is what even even the EFC said. He was genuinely a good king. Um, but he provoked a war with Joash, who invaded. And Joash invaded Jerusalem. He plundered the temple and took a lot of many hostages. Um, so Amaziah was generally good. That's I, I'll take the ESV study Bible version of that. I'll yeah. say he was good. Good. All right, sweet. Jeroboam II reigned 40 years. The land was long and prosperous. Um, was there a first Jeroboam in Judah that I missed? I don't know. Why am I... 
spacing on it. And he played yeah, Jer- wasn't, yeah Rehoboam and Jeroboam, right? We but, talked about that last but week. But Rehoboam was a Judean king. Jeroboam was an Israeli king. Oh, so maybe no. Huh. He Re- wasn't important enough. I guess. Um, reigned 40 years. Jeroboam II did. He was, the, his reign was long and prosperous. Uh, he restored the Israel's borders to Davidic times, which is great. Um, and this is the crazy thing. And so I think we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, but just because things seem to be going well on the outside, as we look at the, from the worldly perspective, long, prosperous, territory is increasing, it doesn't always mean that God is happy with the individual. And that's what we see with Jeroboam II, because he abused power, both both power and wealth. Um, and even I, I read this, I didn't realize this, maybe you did, um, but the earliest writing prophets, Amos and Hodiah, condemn the nation's oppression during this time. Uh, of the poor and the king's exploits of royal privilege. So in essence, the, they were condemn they were condemning Joe or Jeroboam the second. And for whatever reason, it never clicked. That was actually well. I wrong. think I think Jonah was actually also active during Jeroboam the second's reign, if I remember correctly. You would um, know better than I would. On and that then one. Amos is that really interesting prophetic book where it's all about, um, hey, those of you who are saying you can't wait for the day of the Lord, you're going to want to rethink that one. And so it's kind of, it kind of gives us the idea that. There is this sense of invincibility, especially with Jerusalem, but mm-hmm. I think all of Israel kind of has this a little bit, where it's like, yeah, God's got our back. He's never going to let anything bad happen to us. And Amos is the, one of the first prophets to say, hey, you know, you're going to want to rethink this one, boys. Uh, and then Hosea is, I mean, that's a, we'll get into his book, I'm sure, uh, at some point this year, but I, I love Hosea. Well, it's, we it's better a get into his story. book sometime this year. Yeah, we're reading the whole Bible. We will. <laughs> In a year, by the way. Um, so anyways, all that to say, Jeroboam, uh, had every appearance of being as if he was, it was good leadership, good kingdom time. Um, but really he, he didn't, he pursued his own selfish gain. He pursued his own desire to have, uh, he exploited the, the fact that he was royalty. So he used the royal privilege. He, um, abused, uh, the power that he had. He abused the wealth that he had. He didn't care for the poor. He actually oppressed the poor. Uh, and so while on one hand, you could look from a worldly perspective, like, man, he, he had things going, he was doing well. Like there was a, was a good solid reign. 40 years is a long time, long and prosperous. Um, but he really wasn't a good King. <laughs> no. Well, well, I put him in bad for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then Azariah, we actually will see Azariah who was introduced in, in uh, the very beginning of chapter 15. Uh, we'll also see bleeds into, uh, the rest of the chapter, um, and and it, this this part of the chapter is going to lead us to Israel's last day. So this is kind of the the the, the lead up, the, the leading towards exile. Um, Azariah, who's of Judah, who's the southern kingdom, was also known as Uzziah. Um, and you'll find that that's especially true in Chronicles and the prophets that he's referred to as Uzziah, not Azariah specifically. He ruled fifty two years and started at age sixteen. Uh, he wasn't a good king. <laughs> Uh, and the reason why is because the high places still existed. People still sacrificed. They made offerings on the high places. Um, and during his reign, he was touched by a leper or touched by God to become a leper uh, because of his lack of leadership and unwillingness to mm-hmm. to be obedient to what God asked him to. So he was a leper uh, to the day of his death. And he actually lived separately for all entirely in a separate house. And his son um, is who ruled the house in his stead. Um, and, and so that's, that's kind of all we know about Uzziah. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd put him in the good King category as, as far as our rankings go. Um, I would put low good, low good. If that's the case. I think he does. He does a lot of really good things and he has that one real big blunder, I suppose is kind mm-hmm. of how I'd put it. And well, I guess there's two, cause he didn't, he doesn't tear down the high places, but, 
I would say all things considered, he's one of the, he's a, he's not a great king. Yeah. Like and you said. see, and you see a lot of good things from his story. You'll actually see a lot of good moments, but. Um, if nothing else, we get Isaiah chapter six. Opening, it, yeah. Right. I was going to say Isaiah six, like. In, in the, the year, year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord lift. Oh, it's such a great, I love Isaiah six. Not as much as you love Job. Um, so that that leads to Israel's last days. We then we get a kind of a, a quick little bullet point list of the remaining kings uh, in I- Israel here. Uh, so it shifts from during Uzziah's reign, it shifts into Israel to give us uh, a quick picture of some of these kings. They're uh, all bad. Yeah. You get Zechariah of Israel, uh, who's the son of Jeroboam for six months. He did evil. Um, that's all we hear. We sh- Shalom, Shalom, sorry, reigned one month. Uh, and was killed by Menahem. Uh, Menahem reigned 10 years. Uh, and it's interesting because he, he, he actually, again, like I said, killed Shalom. Uh, he took on the, the, he took the city of Tipsa, uh, which is actually an important city on the river of, of the, of Euphrates. And I didn't know this. Oh, really? Um, and so when he took it, um, it was actually one of the last major like action, uh, attacks of, of, of Israelite King to take a Solomon era empire territory. Um, and it's kind of one of the last moments. Um, he also paid Pol, who's a, a, a Syrian king, um, a thousand talents of silver so that way he can keep his power. In essence, he says, hey, don't take me. Here's money. And he takes it from all of God, Israel's people. He, he taxes them, takes all their silver, gives it to the Assyrian king so he could remain in power. Um, and that was for 10 years. He reigned for 10 years. Then Pekiah, the son, his son reigned for two years, uh, did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Classic Good Israel job, Pekiah. Pika, uh, like Pikachu. No, I'm just kidding. Um, son of Remaliah, who was Pekiah's captain. So we have Pekiah's captain uh, conspired and killed Pika. That's how I'm going to call Which is, it. Which is a real, fun. that's a real Northern Kingdom move it's that we totally see true. time and time again. The generals are always killing mm-hmm. the kings and taking over. But the crazy thing is he reigned 22 years. So Pika reigned 22 years. Pika reigned 22 years, but he did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Um, and then the Assyrian came and captured the territory, captured some territories, um, and then Hosea conspired to kill again, kill him, and ki- and then became the reigning king at that point. Uh, and then we shift to the end of chapter fifteen, where it shifts back to Jotham, uh, who is Uzziah's son, um, who was in the southern kingdom. He was twenty five years old and reigned for sixteen years. Um, he did was right in the eyes of the Lord. I love that we get to end the the book of Kings this week. Yeah, uh, on a good note. <laughs> Uh, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, uh, but he left the high places. Uh, they didn't remove them, didn't tear them down. People still continue to sacrifice and made offerings on them. Uh, but he did, he did build the upper gate of the Lord's temple. Hey, so, you know, that's something, Jotham. That's yeah, something. so well done, sir. Uh, and so that's kind of where we leave uh, leave off. And so, I mean, go back to the ranking for a minute. I think Jotham is in that, I mean, he's in that good category as well, um, even though he didn't tear down the high places. If you really want to become great, tear down the high places. So, so really so far we've got... I would say, as far as Israel's kings, they're all bad. Maybe okay. Um, we with, have one okay. Yeah, with Israel, with Judah, we've had a couple great kings. Mm-hmm. I would say, or at least one. We've had Asa, who's you know solid, and then we've got in that good category. I would say you've got Jehoshaphat and Uzziah mm-hmm. and Jotham. Yep. I don't know if I'm forgetting any of the good kings there, and then the rest of them are kind of bad. But you know, yeah, Judah. We'll say that this is a thing. Where do we put Jehu? I forget. Well, no, wait. Jehu was the king of Israel, wasn't he? Yes, yes, yeah. right. He was, and so he's and and by by default, if he's a king of Israel, that means he's bad. So, 
There you go. Well, listeners, that wraps it up for this week's episode of Let's Read the Bible. Of only Kings, by the way. All we read was Kings this All week. Kings. So well done sticking with it. Exactly. Uh, as a reminder, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we are not the only resource of the Grove Church. You can find all of our other podcasts and resources on our website, grove.church. And if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to financially contribute to the ministry that the Grove Church does, you can also do that on our website. There is a gift button in the upper right-hand corner. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day.